Welcome to Conscious Communication, the podcast that can help you improve your company's culture and better your team's communication, helping you build more significant relationships. Now here's your host, Philip Bogolub. I have the privilege and honor of talking with Tom Schwab, an easy name I can pronounce and not screw up. Tom is the owner and founder of Interview Valet. Now, those of you who are listening, you're probably not familiar with different podcasts and how you get people to talk with, and he's, he gives that service, and that's something we're going to be talking about today. And when I say interview valet, I view it as a valet. You park your car, you get a ticket, they park your car, and it's, it's in good shape, and they give it back to you not only in the same shape, sometimes they can wash it, maybe they'll vacuum it out for you, maybe it'll come back better than what it was. And that's the way I view interview valet. You give them the ticket, they find you people for your show. And it's quality, it's clean, it's good, it's, it's what you're looking for. And you sent out the information. Well, we'll talk about that a little bit. But that's why I like Interview Valet. I love the name. Interview Valet is a podcast interview marketing company. So Tom helps clients and his team leverage targeted podcast interviews to talk directly to the ideal customers. You get the people in the right seat. You want to create relationships and opportunities. That's what it's all about. And he makes this easy because you just give them information, they find things. So Tom, thank you for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. Philip, I am thrilled to be here. Well, thank you. Now I'm going to ask you, you didn't just wake up in the morning and go, I think I'm going to create this interview valet company and, and all this and blah, blah, blah. What was that serendipity? What was that accident? What was that coincidence? What was that thing that guided you in your life that you kept doing something like, I better go down this road because it's pushing me that way. And that's where you came from. Well, I think it only makes sense looking in the rearview mirror. Right. And there's nothing in life that's a revolution. It's more of an evolution. And so, you know, I started off as an engineer, ran my own company. The last company before this one, I built it up and sold it off using inbound marketing. Right. Was using guest blogs to tap into other people's audience. And Hmm. then when I was in my sabbatical period, had some people that were, I was in a mastermind group with and they said well how did you grow your business and i said well guest blogging but it doesn't work anymore right this was 2014 oh wow but i thought huh i bet you you could do the same thing with podcast interviews right you could talk directly to an audience get that no like and trust and use that as a way for inbound marketing it worked so well i put a cheesy little pdf out uh, with it and um then people kept asking me how to do it. I did an online course. Philip, I never took it out of beta because the people that were honest with me said, listen, I, I just want to be the guest. You take care of all the rest. And I was like, oh, that's good copy, right? So we've started to beta test it. And one of our beta testers, Matt Miller from Texas, he came up with the name Interview Valet, found that it wasn't bought yet. He bought me the, um, the URL. And he gave it to me and he says, this is what you have to launch. This is what you should call it. Oh, wow. And, you know, if I learned anything in the Navy, it's like, you got to be smart enough to know right answer when told. And uh, <laughs> the universe was telling me what to do. And uh, that first few years, it was very, very early. You know, most people would say, what's a podcast? Yeah. But it uh, gave us a chance to figure out the systems, the processes, and uh, really started to take off about 2019. That's amazing because- yeah, that's not that long ago. You know, people don't realize that when you do something, I, I quit my job about eight years ago. And as an engineer, I thought I'd retire at this company. We were talking before we hit record and and the company went out of business. I could see the writing on the wall. And when I quit and, and I was like, I, my wife could see I was getting aggravated and I, I wasn't sleeping, which is not me. She goes, well, why don't you go back and do music? You know, do the things you want. Kids are growing up. Let's take the, take the chance now. Do it now so you don't say I should have, should have, could have. And I did a lot of uh, engineering work with other manufacturers. I got the first two years, I was you know, building up some cash. You got to have a plan. You got to have a plan. But it's taken a number of years to get to where I'm at here because I didn't know where I was going. I knew what I wanted to do, but I didn't know which way. And I had to trust the path. I had to have faith that there was some, gonna, some door going to open. And it did open. And some or- doors opened and then slammed right in my face. And you think you know everything and you find out you don't know anything. And- what I in the journey, what I found more than anything is if you have persistence, faith, understanding, and you feel it, you know it's something inside you, 
something that you can actually physically do in an action from your physical being into the real world. Stick with it. And because I, I kind of refer to this as like, you have a little bit of a small round thing of dirt in the grass, right around the grass. There's just dirt. There's nothing there. You keep watering it, watering it. And your neighbor keeps going, you know what? I see nothing there, Phil. Why are you wasting all that water? You're not growing anything. He goes, no, it's, it's going to grow. It's going to grow. Give it some time. Another year, another spring, another summer, fall. And they still see it. It's like, no, I don't see it. I think you're crazy. There's nothing. Just put something in there instead. That's going to grow. And you need to, because right, how do you know that that seed is suddenly just about to go, but then you go, no, it's not going. And then it just dies out. You need to be persistent. You need to believe that it's going to work. You need to have a picture in your mind. Did you have an image in your mind, a visual of how the company would look like when you were getting this started? I would say I've got a vision, but it wasn't clear. Right, mm. this idea of everybody says, "Oh, you know, I've got clarity. I've never had clarity in my entire life." Right, I've only had it in in hindsight. Right, I sort of I've got clarity on the next step. You know, maybe the next week or month or something like that. But I know where I want it to go. And when you were talking about that, it reminded me. I was uh, I sold for a medical device company, and one of my best accounts, the best surgeon. I remember him telling my boss that he didn't know if I was the stupidest rep he'd ever met or the most persistent. But I, I just kept calling on him. I'm like, I know I can help this guy. I know he'll want to work with me, right? And everybody else would try for a while and then give up. Give up. And I, I just kept going. And you know, all of a sudden he threw me a bone, and that was like throwing breadcrumbs at uh, at birds to get him to go away. I was stuck around there. And he became a huge, huge account. And I think it's the same way in business. Sometimes I hear people talk about, well, I'm a serial, serial entrepreneur. You know, I've, I've started hundreds of businesses. I'm like, that, to me, that sounds like a serial killer of ideas, right? <laughs> you know, True. We, would, we wouldn't say I'm a serial father, right? right. I, I have started over 50 families, right? right? Yes. It's, like, Good point. it's like, no, it takes some time. And those first couple of years, you know, are frustrating, but you've got that vision of where something could go. And it, to me, it's, it gets more fun. It's a different type of fun, but, uh, um, you know, my, my wife nailed it early on. She's like, for the first couple of years, you bang your head against the wall, making something work. And she's like, the next two years, it starts to work and becomes profitable. And then she's like, then the next two years, it's very profitable and you get bored. And she mentioned this years and years ago. So that's one of those things that I've always looked at is that I always want to change what I'm doing in the business or keep growing with it so that I don't get bored with it. And so I'm I'm great uh, as starting something, getting it up and running, and then handing it over to the team. And you know, I'm so blessed to have the right people uh, come on board and have the faith in me and my vision. Uh, and sometimes I have to just scratch my head and go, wow, you know, these people believe in the vision. They believe in me and I get to work with them because they could work for anywhere in the world and they choose to be here. Well, it's it's interesting you say that because I was mentioning about the musical and how this 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 lady what I'm working with here locally and uh, she loved the musical. And we talked maybe three times, met for coffee once. She lived not too far from where I live. And then suddenly about eight, six to eight weeks ago, she calls me up and goes, I got to talk to you. And it, and boom, boom, it just went boom, 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 boom. I wasn't expecting it. Now, in a prayer meditation, as I mentioned before, uh, I think before the record button was, you know, I say, you know, all right, what am I going to do with this? So I was forcing it to make it work. And the more I forced, the worse it got. I was meeting people who said, oh, I got all this money. Oh, I know all these people. And you know what? I'm thinking, okay, I'm not born yesterday. But I was always polite. And I found out it was, it's dead. And my best, one of my best friends, her name is Leanne, said, can you do this, this, and this if you got all this money? I said, no, then let it go, go on a different road. So I had to figure out, I do the, I'm doing this, this immersive uh, communication system called Ajanoi, this philosophy, this idea, I'm teaching it. I'm doing, then the musical suddenly got, it, it takes a while. Is there something you said, a serial entrepreneur? I don't understand that either. And I love your example. It's not like I had 50 families, a hundred companies, 10 companies, three. It's impossible. I, I don't see how you could be successful in, you can't multitask. Multitasking is a joke. It doesn't work. The mind works at a task one thing at a time. If you're trying to do two or three at the same, you're going to make mistakes. And you really have to focus on this. How many years 
did they talk about uh, Apple and Microsoft, or specifically, specifically Apple, going out of business. Every year, they're going out of business. They're going out of Over 10 years, he didn't make any money. And you can go on and on with Dell and Microsoft, all these people. But it took a long, long time. And one of the things you, you also said I, I, I really love is mind mentor groups, the mentor groups that you surround yourself. And when you get people, because you can't do this on your own. You think you, can, you can't do this on your own. You need the support of your wife, your family, your friends. And the teams that you build around you, and that I, I've got now three people that are, are my mentors for me, and they said, no, I'll work with you. I, I'll be willing to work with you. And sometimes it comes out as you have to pay. Sometimes you just simply because they like want to pass it on. They really believe in what you're doing. So it's something interesting to keep in mind that anybody that wants to start a business, one of the things I found, I want your opinion on this, people believe that just because you have the internet, you're immediately successful. You're going to have a business. Uh, one of the things that somebody was sharing with me, and I said that it's incorrect because I did a fair amount of research. Oh, these people that are, you know, uh, they have these shows and they're advertising, they're making millions of dollars. Uh, no, they're not. No, they're not. Because most of the money goes to the web company, uh, whatever it is. It's, you know, so just because you're on the internet, could you clear that up that people aren't just instantly successful? I think that's a the big lie out there. And I think it's it's a shame that so many young people want to be influencers. So I just I just came back from vacation and one of the places we went, I hadn't been there since I was in college, was Kennedy Space Center. Ooh. Great. Cool. The visitor yeah. center. So cool. You want to know the scariest things there was that if you looked at the breakdown of the people and the families and the kids that were visiting there, they didn't look like they were all American or at least not multi-generation American, right? right. There, were, there were different minorities, different people from other countries that were there that just thought that was the greatest place, right? Yeah. And I'm, th I'm scratching my head and going, you know, my grandkids, if you ask them what they want to be, it's not an astronaut. They, they want to be, you know, a YouTube influencer. And mm -hmm. I'm like, that isn't necessarily success. And I think as you point out there, there's this idea that, oh, I'll just, you know, I reach these billions of people and, you know, I've got a uh, hundred thousand downloads on this. So right. I must be making lots of money. You know, it's like the person that sells a million dollars on Amazon. Right. Well, that's great. I know your supplier made money. Amazon made money. FedEx, UPS, all the, they made money. Did you make any money? No. And, you know, my grandpa, you, where do you live? Just about uh, 30 miles away. He owned a gas station in St. Charles, Illinois. Right. And I always say that I believe my grandfather, God rest his soul, would be better suited for the future than my grandkids are because he wouldn't have understood anything about the internet. Right. But he knew how to do a business. So if he could say, okay, so you're telling me this thing that you call a podcast. Now I can talk to people when I want, where I want, and I don't have to go to the country club. I don't have to go to the Rotary Club. I don't have to do other things like that and say, yes. He's like, I know how to use that. Whereas I think the problem now is so many people focuses on the technology and they forget why they're using it mm. right and I, I can think of years ago when instagram was just starting my daughter who's now uh you know finished college she was in uh, middle school and she came up and she's like dad you have to be on instagram everyone is on instagram and i said well who is everyone and she says well me and all my friends <laughs> all right and at that point they are not my ideal customer. If I was there at that point, it would have been creepy. And now I look at it and say, you know, trying to be intentional. Where am I? Who am I talking to? You know, are these people, can I add value to them? Or is it just a, just an ego thing, that fear of missing out, right? I think it was threads or something. Facebook came out with their, their equivalent of Twitter. And it was about three months ago. I saw so many people take a week of their life so that they could be the first on there, right? And they could get their everything set up and they were going to be the new Threads influencer. 
it took about a month and nobody even remembers the name of it anymore. You know, so it's like, you've got to pick your battles and, you know, these are great tools. But uh, one of the things I always remember is that a friend of mine, uh, Dan Miller, he had an artist come and carved a dead tree, carved this beautiful eagle in it, right? And the same winter that that happened, I took a chainsaw and just about cut my leg off, right? <laughs> same tool. Yes. All it did was amplify the brilliance of the artist and the ignorance of me, right? <laughs> so I, I have to remember that. It's just, they're just tools. It is so true and well said because they're, you're running a business. I'm running a business. I want to make a living. But you have a thousand people or a hundred or even say a million people that follow you. Is your phone ringing? How much money are you making? People need to figure out, you know, well, I got a million people that are listening, but I got ads. Okay. How much are you making off the ads? Because if you're working with certain uh, web services, they take 80% or 85% of the profit. You get nothing. Mm -hmm. uh, YouTube, you don't make a lot of money. It's mostly, I think Google owns YouTube. They make, I'm not knocking it. That's their choice, but it's not a business platform. Like if you had a, a brick and mortar store and you sold shoes there, you'd probably sell more shoes there and make more. Let me rephrase. You probably sell possibly the same amount of shoes, but make more money because there's no middleman. You're doing it direct. And that makes a huge difference. I'm not knocking all this stuff, but to your point, you have to know how to use the tools. I mean, they call it, we're both engineers. They have the analytics. They're just simply tools, a pie chart, a graph, whatever it is. But it makes you sound like, well, 30 people listened to you. 30 people saw you. Is the phone ringing? Is somebody asking to do business with you? Because you need to distinguish what's different from you than anybody else. One of the things I'm doing, I'm doing seminars at the local health club here. And I'm getting more and more involved with them. Next year, I'm not only just doing parts of the philosophy, parts of the mindfulness, but I'm actually doing uh, meditation classes starting in January. Oh my God, it's next week. 2024 is here already. Uh, but the whole thing is what distinguishes you? What makes you different? Something we briefly talked about, analog and digital. There's a place. Now, I'm an electronics engineer. And when I grew up in the, uh, I'm an old guy. And when I grew up in college, when I went to college, we were building radios, you know, local, you know, so you can, you know, like breadboarding them and, you know, making sure the capacitors and the LEDs, we got the local radio station or something real low on the AM frequency. You need to mix the analog with the digital and the digital with the analog. Tom sees my recording studio. My audience knows about my recording studio. I have a lot of analogs, mostly analog, but I plug it into the digital device to be able to record stuff. I don't need to spend 500000 or a million dollars to soundproof the walls anymore. So there's an advantage for it. So you mix the analog with the digital and the digital with the analog. We need other human beings. You can't, when I say can't, I don't believe it's healthy in the mind and the soul to just sit at home on a computer. You need to be with other people. Go to classes, go to seminars, go to movies, go to plays, go to health clubs. You need this. Health club for the mind is so important. So how does that work for you with analog, because we talked about that just briefly before we started recording. Tell the audience how you feel about mixing those two together. Yeah, I, I'm going to take a step back and say, what are you optimizing for? Mm. What are you optimizing for? Are you optimizing for, for more leads, more traffic? Well, the last time I went to the bank, they didn't care how many leads or likes or traffic I got. You know, um, It's almost like Facebook likes now. And I have so many people reaching out. Do you need more leads? No. What I need is more people that value what I do, right? And how do I know that they value it? Because they vote with their time and their money, right? So if you're profitable, that means you're bringing value. And what do you need to do in order to maximize for that or optimize for that? And I'm, you know, I, I'm a mechie, so I'm. I'm guilty of, I can set up the neatest automations and go through and charts and graphs and everything. And I can, I can put myself behind my computer monitor, right? Because we've got a team of 28, they're all remote. So I can sit down in my office and I can do all this amazing work. But there are a lot of times where it's like, 
are you avoiding talking to a customer? Right? The customer has the answer, right? Oh no, I did I did this and I sent out, you know, all of these emails and all of these surveys and uh, I looked at the analytics. Well, why don't you just pick up the phone and talk to a customer, right? They'll tell you what they love, they'll tell you what they loathe. They'll they'll tell you where you can get more business. In fact, they'll introduce you to that, right? Because it's easy to it's easy to ignore the digital, right? If if somebody sends you an email, well, you know, that goes away. Maybe it's a text, it's harder to ignore. If somebody calls you on the phone or sends you, uh, I love videos now. Hey, Philip, how you doing? Did you send them a quick video? That is so powerful. Or, you know, we travel around all the time and I love having coffee with people because there's that serendipity, right? I might come with some ideas, but what comes out of that meeting always amazes me. And uh, like I said, I'm a mechanical engineer and sometimes my prayers, if nothing else, I, I hope it causes God or the universe to laugh because <laughs> my, my prayers are always advice, right? I know how to fix this. This is what you need to do in order to make my life perfect and the universe perfect. And often what I find is the harder I push, the the harder I push at the door, the less likely it is to open because it opens the opposite direction. Yes. Right? And I, I learned this. I'm a slow learner, right? And you know, uh, one of my other prayers is God repeat yourself um, and speak slowly uh, for your for your slow children, and that's and that's me, right? Um, I, I get to take the test over and over until I, right. I figure it out. But I can remember being at a conference, and I had it all mapped out, right? I knew which room I was going to go to, which speakers I was going to hear, what I was going to learn, and this place was laid out so weird that I kept getting lost and I'd show up late for a meeting, right? Right. Or the the talk. Right. But one of the things I noticed is that every time I got lost, I'd run into somebody that was like the perfect person that I should be talking to or that I should meet. And all of a sudden, as I reflected on that day, it's like I got more out of the random, quote unquote, right, conversations in the hall than I did from the from the talks and the other thing is the talks i could they were recorded i could listen to them on the flight back right so i i look at it and say you know god always brings the right people into my life at the right time if i've got one critique of the almighty right probably shouldn't make critiques um (laughs) is that he doesn't bring them through my office in kalamazoo michigan right I've got to go out there and see them. I've got to go out there and meet them. And and sometimes that can even be from a Zoom call or, or picking up a call or an int- introduction of a friend to a friend. You know, solitary confinement in most countries is cruel and unusual punishment. Yeah. But yet we do it to ourselves. Yes. And we put our head down and work hard when there's a world full of people that would say, I'd love to help you with that. Can I? Can I come along? And so I, I have to remind myself of that. It's very well put because uh, people helping people, we need people and we need each other. And you're right. The serendipities, accidents, and coincidences. You were, you were talking about the serendipities because wh- whatever it is, you're walking, you're walking somewhere and I run into Tom. You're walking somewhere, you, I run into Joe or Susie. Or, it doesn't matter who it is. And you get more out of those little things. You know, people, we talk about, you know, I got my uh, engineering degree and I'm my MBA as an adult. And when I got my 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 MBA, I appreciated it more because I was in a different mindset. I was like, "Oh my god, this is amazing." Because I I was not looking at the piece of paper, I was looking at the the travel, how I got there, the people I met, the people I talked to. I mean, one person about fun as I was an engineer in the medical business ended up working at the company cuz like, "What you're doing is weird, an x-ray tube, who does that stuff?" He ended up working there. Um, because if we didn't have that class, if you didn't sit there and talk about it, one of the things that you definitely are missing on the internet, not that you can't feel it, but it's different. Like you said, we're meeting for a cup of coffee and you say one thing to me or vice versa, start you on a different road. That was God giving you that serendipity accident coincidence, but you had to stop and listen to it. You had to do an action. 
I'm sure the, I know the audience has heard this story before. And one student that actually, because uh, I now I'm doing more seminars than I do private uh, tutoring. But one of the students says, I'm, I'm looking for somebody, am I looking for a woman? And I said, what are you doing? He said, well, I pray and meditated on it, but what are you doing for the action? He goes, well, my buddy's for a beer. I'm like, no, 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 no. You got to mark it down. You got to take the pencil and what we talked about before, pencil and paper, mark down the specific. God needs specificity. What do you want? What are you looking for? What is good for you? And then you have to go out and join a dating service or go to the church group or go to the temple group, whatever it is. You've got to do it because if you don't do it, it'll never happen. It's not going to just, some woman's just going to, hi, I'm here, Phil. No, it's not going to happen. So you have to do an action, but it can be scary because when you were doing this business and you had the faith, you knew it was going to work. Maybe you had that vision in your mind. When you got to the point where the business was starting to take off, did it really appear the same exact way that you visioned it in your mind? Oh, not at all. I mean, I would say the best piece of fiction I've ever read or written was my business plan, right? Oh, <laughs> Phil, the graphs were perfect. They all went up and to the right, right? And I bet you it was three months into it, things changed drastically, right? Originally, when I started, I was like, uh, I don't want to do an agency, right? That sounds like a lot of work. So I'll just do a course. And, you know, anybody that's ever done a course, you know that you can see what people do on the back end, right? right. And I did it beta testing and had people say, oh, love the course. It was great. I'm like, you didn't even get through chapter two of it, right? <laughs> just tell me the truth. I'll give you the money back. Right. The, pe the people that were honest with me were the ones that said, you know, I don't want to learn how to do this. You know, I just want to be the guest. You take care of all the rest. And I'm like, oh, that's good copy. And they were the ones that said, you got to do this. You've got to do this. And so my vision of what the future looked like in success was totally different than what the market wanted. And even once we started it, I thought, oh, this will be really neat, right? And clients would say, yeah, that doesn't bring me that much value. Or, you know, every one of our clients has an online dashboard where they've got all of their information, all the prep information. And as a good marketer, we'd make them log in, right? So right. that we knew when we there, they were in there, how long they stayed. I didn't log in. I knew, the, I knew how to get in the back door. And all of a sudden, after I talked to some customers, they're like, I'm, I'm trying to get on an interview. I have a hard time logging in. You know, can't, can't you just make that easier? And I'm like, why are we, do, why are we making it harder? Right? The clients just said, don't make me log in. So they get this cryptic URL. They can share it with anybody they want, but at least now they've got it bookmarked. And in one click, boom, they've got all their interviews there. So you know, I've always said that people will tell you what they love and what they loathe. Right? You just have to be smart enough to ask them and then listen to what they say. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that I, I, and that's very well said, because you, you have to make it easy. You want, don't make, want to make it complicated. You know, I can sit here and start talking philosophical jingles or what do you call it? You know, like words and sophisticated words, talk engineering talk. We can get down x-ray tubes. I could talk about tungsten and uh, beryllium and who cares? Uh, what, how does it work? Keep it simple, stupid. How do you, how do you become somebody how do you create something out of obscurity? You know, you've got an idea. I had the, this, this uh, imaginational system that I'm, I, I have now called Ajinoi, and it's a communication system through the mind, and, I'm, and it's growing. Started in doing this in March more than anything live, and the podcast now is a year as of today. How do you come from obscurity? Uh, what, because there's a lot of ups and downs. There, it takes time. You know, it might take two years. It might take five years. Um, but how do you, uh, two questions then. How do you come out of obscurity to make what you want and your passion and your faith and what you know you can do? And what is the waiting period to make it successful? The first one is easier than the second one. Mm -hmm. So how do you come out of obscurity? I, I think it's what a client told me on a previous company a long time ago. He gave me a compliment. He's like, you guys are just like Preparation H. And I paused and I'm like, <laughs> Preparation H is hemorrhoid cream. Right. Uh, if you're listening outside the States. And I'm like, we're just like hemorrhoid creed. And he's like, oh yeah, 
you were recommended, you gave fast relief, and you take took away my pain in the rear end. And <laughs> when he said that, and he was spot on, because we have to remember that all of us are selling Preparation H, right? Nobody cares about your product. Nobody cares about your service. All they care about is their pain in the rear end. Mm -hmm. So when you're starting to talk about that, don't go down, as you said, that engineering speak. Oh, we do this and, uh, you know, isn't this cool? All right? No, focus on their pain. Every great solution, every great product out there or service starts with what, what are you trying to solve? You know? What pain are you trying to solve in the world? Because if there's not if there's not a pain, nobody's going to take action on that, right? Right, and that's and that's another thing uh, from a marketing aspect. Um, that pain pleasure thing, right? Mm -hmm. Pleasure doesn't cause people to convert, right? Nobody walks into church to have the um, the hope of heaven. What gets them there is the fear of hell. Now, the hope of heaven may keep them there long term. But marketing will show you this all the time. A negative ad will always convert better than a positive one. Yes. Because people are focused on their pain. Yes. So I would say when you're starting with a new product or service, what's your point of view? What how are you going to focus this this solution on the client's pain? And they talk about, you know, product market fit. Mm -hmm. That's a uh, you know, if you haven't had an MBA, uh product <laughs> market fit just means have you figured out what the problem was and does the market think that you can solve it, right? Right. And so getting that down and focusing that on your conversations and your marketing, that will draw people to you. And so I think that's how you break through obscurity is talking about the pain, talking about the cost of it, um, the, the cost not of the solution, but what the pain is costing you and to talk about the solution. And how you see the world, because those conversations and those conversations at scale will attract the right people and they will repel the wrong people. Too often in marketing, we think, oh, we've got to get everyone. No, not everyone knows your problem. They, they, they don't resonate with it. And the better your marketing is, the easier the sales is, because you'll only attract the people that really relate to that and are ready to go. As far as how long does it take? I wish I could say, you know, it, 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 it takes always longer than you think, right? It's like anything. How, how long's the project take? How long's the house take? How long's uh, whatever take? It usually takes more time and money than you expected. But look at it along the way. What signals are you seeing? Are you making progress? Because very rarely is it, you know, binary. You know, you don't you don't plant a seed of corn, and you know, four months later, boom. Yeah, no. There, there's there's the sweet corn. No, right. so it's like after it starts coming out of the ground, you still don't have sweet corn. You're still hungry, right? Right. But at least you're seeing the progress made there, and I think that's what you should look at is are you seeing progress what's the market telling you and look at that and uh they'll correct you on on which way you should go well with that like i was saying about the, the little patch of dirt you know you keep watering keep watering keep watering you're waiting something for that seed to come up you might not see it right away one of the things as an engineer uh for x-ray tubes is uh i was i was i'm not the kind of engineer that sits behind a desk and do drawings that ain't me i gotta be talking i gotta be supporting i gotta be a, I had a blast doing it. I loved it for a long, long, many years. And my boss would always go fill it. He'd say, you get an extra tube, you get free fill in a box. And that would be me. <laughs> and, and he would tell the customers at the medical shows or wherever I was going. And because this is the service we're offering. How is our x-ray tube different than the other ones? Zero. Oh, yeah, price. Fine. But it's physics. It's got to be A through Z. You can't skip a letter because if you skip, it's not going to work. So what's the difference? Me. And when I came there, I've been an engineer in medical field already for a number of years. They said, we want you to start up the tech support department. I'm like, I've never done that. It goes, but your reputation, and we've heard a lot about, we know you can. I go like, okay. It took a few years and I finally got it. I was the only one there for the first like 10, 12 years. And 
I mean, the business. So I had to hire somebody else and he was better than I was, which is good. You want somebody that's really mm -hmm. good. But the whole idea is to what is making you different than everybody else? What is, I, I refer to what I do in as a health club for the mind. So I go to a health club and talk to a health club. They're in a health club for the body. You want that, that noise of the physical body, of the pains, or the noise of the physical mind, the unphysical mind, coming out of there a little less frantic than what you were, that you came in for. You want your body more relaxed. You want your mind more relaxed. What's the difference between your health club and mine? Nothing. Maybe price. Maybe you have a pool. Maybe you don't. But there's really no difference. So the whole idea is distinguishing what you're doing differently. Don't just settle because those three cookie companies around me are doing it that way. I'm going to follow that way. Go into prayer. Go into meditation. Go into men mind mentor groups. Talk to people like Tom. Talk to other people. Get on shows. Talk to people on, uh, on, on podcast shows like mine. Go to places to learn, to listen, and to understand these things. You're not alone. People are not, you know, people are, people were confused, but give it time. Like you say, gestation time for anything. I mean, it takes like nine months to have a baby. You can't rush that. You know, it's like when the sperm meets the egg, you know, I don't remember what it is anymore, but the eyebrows are first, the eyes are, you don't say they're going, oh my God, where, where's my nose? I don't have my nose. Everything follows along. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. The mind, uh, I'm sorry, the moon and the sun. The moon's not jealous of the sun. The sun's not jealous of the moon. It just is. There's things that go on in the world that are so natural. Don't listen to the outside world. Don't listen to the if you, the idiot box. I always say idiot box, but the internet. Most of it's useless. There's some things out there that you can get good information. Talk to people. Listen to That's one of the advantages of podcast shows. When people are listening, and that's one of the things I love, I learn so much more about myself when I get off it. Maybe I do a work with you. Maybe we just become friends. Maybe I just learned a great idea that I didn't think about before and it moves me forward. The whole idea of talking to people in a podcast show or a business meeting or uh, one of these live events when you go to and you're meeting other people, you're making a cup, cup of coffee. I'm more mindfully hired after these interviews than I am doing anything else because I'm putting everything into it. I'm putting all my energy into it because I want this to be successful. However, I'm trying to design this. But it takes time. It doesn't happen. The gentleman I'm working with on the podcast show is like, it takes time. You got to find your feet. You know, they weren't successful for several years. It, it does. There is no magic number. That's why I wanted it. I was just curious to your answer. And you hit it right on the head. There is no number. There is, there is nothing. Because you could find this, but then it flops. And you could find it and then it's successful. But it doesn't go like these curves in a movie where it's like going straight up in the air. And, and what are you looking for? Are you looking to the ultimate thing of cash and being fancier house. If that's, I don't knock it. If that's all you're looking for, then you got to work really, really hard to keep that thing up. That's not something that's important to me. I'm more important to me is money can be made. I'm always going to make a living. That's not the question, but I want friends around me. I want loved ones around me. I want my spirituality and my belief in God around me. I want to have all sorts of things happening to me. And when you create that energy within yourself, we're magnets. We create what we think about, talk about, and feel. You want that stuff to come to you. And when I was the re reason why I'm talking to the owner of Interview Valet is because I use Interview Valet. And I did a spot for them on, on their website saying, I love this. Now, I, I get no money for this. this. Everything doesn't come with money. I remember in the 1800s, when the doctor went to cure you of a cold, you got paid in a chicken. It's something that comes to you. When you give more than what's expected of you, when you give out, when you empower others and powers ourselves, and you keep doing things. Things come back to you a hundredfold, but it doesn't come back at all what you think it's supposed to look like. I wanted to, I want to ask you about this one. You know, we're, we're very fixated on video, very fixated, and it's not a bad thing. But what do you feel the difference of the future of between audio and video? What is, you know, I think this, and correct me if I'm wrong, I view podcasts as radio shows without advertising. Eventually, you get advertising and you make some more money. Just like, I mean, was it Seth Rogen and some of these? They, well, I'm not Seth Rogen, but these people making a lot of money. So, what's the difference between a podcast and a radio show? And how how do you distinguish the difference between an audio and a video? What you see changes in the future? It, it's so weird, and it's changing, right? We've been in this going on ten years now, and to see the progressions in that. And I remember speaking at Harvard at a podcasting conference there, and there was a keynote 
where somebody talked about the similarities between radio and podcasting, right? And when radio started, it was called wireless telegraph. And then 10 years later, it was called radio, right? Because nobody knew what radio was. Good and point. I came home and asked my kids, my two youngest, I said, what's the pod stand for podcast? And there's people right now that are thinking, I don't know. What is I that? I don't know either. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's because you're so young. You don't remember the iPod. You know? Oh, and so, oh, really? That's where, that's where it came from, the iPod. So, but now today, if we do this podcast and somebody sees it, YouTube, right? Is that still a podcast? Well, what if they see the clip on, uh, on Facebook? Is that still a podcast? There's Sirius and XM radio that picks up um, podcasts, right? So if I hear it on XM radio, is that still a podcast? If they if it's simulcast on a regular radio show, is it still a podcast? I look at it as like, I don't care what people call it or how they consume it. I think it's an amazing medium where never before in life could you listen where you want, when you want at the speed you want and it's just it's amazing i i've got some thoughts on video versus audio i think video becomes very dated right and it's also video becomes discriminatory right and right now if somebody look at us there's somebody going those guys are too old right they don't know what they're talking about mm -hmm. and we i i find myself doing it too it's like oh those people are too young. They might not know. Or somebody may say they don't look like me. Mm. But the problem, the great thing about audio is that we listen for the content. We don't judge on what they look like. And, you know, I can think of uh, my niece was studying for her real estate exam and they had given her these uh, links to listen to. And she called me up and she's like, Uncle Tom. Have you ever heard of Zig Ziglar? Oh my God. I, I didn't have the heart to tell her. I said, like, honey, Zig's been dead for a decade, right? <laughs> and those were probably recorded before you were born. But she was just listening to them and she thought, this is great. This is funny. If she would have been watching the videos of that, mm. you know, and she would have seen, you know, handlebar or no, the big pork chop sideburns. Right. She would have. Right. If she would have seen lapels that were, you know, as big as a tablecloth, <laughs> she, there's no way she would have listened to that or watched it or right. taken it seriously. Right. So I think there's a, a benefit and the data shows different things too, right? The younger you are, the more likely you are to watch video. The older you are, the more likely you are to listen just to the audio. And we'll see how that changes over the uh, the years. But I think it's a great thing today where you can create in the way that you want and then repurpose in the way that other people want. Oh, that's really well said. One of the things for me is I do a lot of meditation and prayer. I do it all the time. And this morning I was on my elliptical and I turned on this channel and it's got this, you like, you know, uh, relaxation music and it's got these beautiful pictures on there. And I just meditate to that while I'm going on the elliptical. I'm, I'm in another world. I'm flying in another planet. Now, sometimes I just want silence. And it's, we've got more noise available. Not that the noise was any less before. We just have it available. How important is it for you to, when you wake up in the morning, you have your cup of, you've heard of Earl Nightingale, right? Oh, yeah. Listen, everybody out there, Earl Nightingale, look him up. Don't look at him. Listen to him. He's got the best DJ voice in the world. He died, unfortunately, pretty young, but he had amazing insights. He talked about 40-hour work weeks, like, and we're not going to be doing 40-hour work. He was talking about that in the 50s and the 60s. It was way ahead of his time. But what do you feel, and the reason why I say that is, I like listening to positive, Zig Ziglar, um, uh, I, I can't think of, there's so many, uh, Les Brown, Bob Proctor, there's all sorts of people that, uh, and Bob Proctor's not here anymore, but there's a uh, um, uh, Think and Grow Rich book, Napoleon Hill. I can go on and on and on. There's ton a Goodard, there's a guy in from like the 1950s, and it was only audio. There's all these sorts of people. But what do you feel of having silence in your life? I know there's video, I know there's audio, and I know we're constantly being barraged. Well, when, because my favorite button on the phone is 
my audience has heard this many times, is airplane mode. And how valuable is it to be in silence? It's something I struggle with. And it's important, and I'm uncomfortable with it. My wife loves being in silence, and for me, I get fidgety, right? And I've always wanted to be learning something, doing something. And so for a long time, you know, I always would say that I'd, I'd run at 2x speed, or no, I would listen at 2x speed as I ran, ran at half x speed, right? <laughs> so I could get more, more content in per mile. But I always had to be listening to something. And then I read a book years ago uh, by a gentleman by the name of Cunningham, and uh, it's called The Road Less Stupid. And his whole idea is think about something, because most of the time we think about something and give ourselves about 30 seconds, right? And we'll come up with two answers and we'll pick one of them and start executing on those. Well, how do you know those two answers were the best ones? Mm. How do you know you should be executing there? Mm. And so he starts to talk about all these different things. And I love at the end of every chapter, he goes, now go think about it. You'll you'll thank me tomorrow. And so it's one of those things that I schedule into my life, right? I listen to a lot of podcasts, right? I listen from our clients. Every time a client has their first podcast, I listen to it to give them feedback. But in the morning, I go for a, a three mile I call it a thinking walk. And so it's usually dark. Uh, I'm an early riser. And the night before I decide what I'm going to think about on that walk. Mm. And my mind wanders, right? But I have an overarching theme. And so I go to bed already thinking about that. I wake up in the morning. It's still quiet. I'm the first one up in the household. I'll go out for a walk and just think about that. And it's amazing what will come to me. And then throughout the entire day, I'll have, it seems like I have different conversations that tie into that. And amazing. then at the end of the night, I try to write down pen and, pen and uh, paper of what the answer to that question was. And, you know, some of them can be, how can I grow my business? Uh, you know, how can I find a new clients? You know, how can I be a better husband? You know, the one today that I'm contemplating is how can we be a blessing, my wife and I, uh, to our family and friends? Big open-ended question there. And that's, it's one of those things. I've got this list of all these different questions and I'll I'll pick out one the night before. And maybe it's one that I talked about or thought about a year ago. And I'll go back and look through my notes on that. uh, But then I'll, I'll think about it again. So uh, my, my best answers come when I'm quiet. And listening, not just when I'm, uh, not when it's noisy. Yeah. And that's, that's the key. It is uncomfortable. And we have a new generation of people who don't understand how to be in silence. They don't understand silence at all. We're having kids going to restaurants. And, you know, how many times do you remember when you were a kid, you had to listen to Uncle George and Aunt Susie and drone on at the party or the family gathering or the holiday or a restaurant? You hit, you unconsciously were learning how to be, bored or not listening. Now, if you don't listen, you just stick that idiot box in front of you and you play some video game, but you're not listening. You're you're not getting anywhere. And there's all this stuff going on outside of you that you're not getting. So having that silence, it it did take me a while to to get in tune with how I am in silence. And I have a huge imaginational mind. And that's the one of the things that God gave your subconscious imaginational mind. That's the way I believe. And because God is pure imagination, where do you think all this stuff came from? Not electronics. I'm talking about the earth, the planet, the birds, the the snakes, the the grass, the trees, the sky, the clouds, the blue sky. The I can go on and forever. The the universe, the galaxy. Those are imaginations. I'm not talking about buildings. I'm not talking about the computers. I'm not talking about your watch. I'm not talking about the planes. I'm talking about the stuff that makes. If you took everything away, it'd still be there. And being in touch with that, and just staring out a window for five minutes. One thing I noticed or I, I heard that you're coming up with something positive to think about before you go to sleep. So you're waking up in a positive way. I have a gratitude journal I do every day. I just mark three or four items. Sometimes I just make one thing. I go, okay, what am I grateful for? Shoelaces. Uh, you know, when I open my I open my eyes, I'm like, okay, I don't know what it feels like to be dead. I think I would have a pulse, but all right, I open my eyes. Oh, look, thank you, God, for the light. Thank you, God, for the fan. Thank you, God, for the toothbrush. Thank you, God, for the floor. Thank you, God, for the water. Thank you, God, for the food. 
And when you, when you constantly fill your mind up with positive stuff and keep the negative away, because over 2,000 years on the planet, man's a humanity, man has never changed. And filling your mind up with all the nastiness that's going on is not going to make it go away. If you can do something about it, great. If you can't, just go away from it. I mean, if you can help a little bit, go for it. But most of us can't do it. We don't have that kind of power. But if you can just be powerful enough to bring the positive into your life, and make a difference with somebody where Tom and I are talking about, whatever that business is, whatever that family would is, being more spiritual, being more uh, giving, being more uh, grateful to other people in your life, more blessings that you were saying to other people. Those are, that's an open-ended question, and you just start looking for it. Your mind starts looking for it, and suddenly you're doing it, you're doing it, you're doing it, and it changes your entire outlook on life. We don't live that long on this planet, and on this frequency at least. And I'm, I'm not scared to death because I don't think people really go anywhere. I think become spirits and angels anyway. But that's a whole nother story. But I want to thank you very much, Tom, for being on the show. And like usual, of course, I, I didn't get to most of my questions. But I love your, your journey. I love the story that you're communicating, how you consciously communicate from the mind. But before we end the show, I wanted to ask you, what kind of positive aphorism, you've said several things, but what kind of positive aphorism can you leave with the audience saying, Wow, that's cool. I'm I'm gonna go with that. And you can leave it then. It's my favorite phrase that I I'd learned when I was in my twenties. What's ordinary to you is amazing to others. Right? We all underestimate what we know and overestimate what other people know. Ooh. Right. And your life experience, what you have learned could help other people. It's amazing, right? The the person that can do fourth grade math is a god to the person that's trying to figure out second grade math. So don't underestimate what you know. What you know, what's ordinary to you is amazing to others. And I would encourage you, share that, right? Share it one-on-one, -on -one. share it in your writing as a, in a podcast as a guest or a host. But that's a great way that you can bless the world and really thank the people, God, the universe for, for teaching you that. No, excellent. Thank you very much, Tom. I really appreciate you being on the show. Thank you very much. Thank you, Phil. Absolutely. Remember, it is more important to express your thinking thoughts and not the thoughts you are thinking. That is what is called conscious communication. See you next time. Thanks for listening to Conscious Communication. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on Apple Podcasts, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcast. You can also get more great information at ConsciousCommunicationPodcast.com.